As Math said, uh, and uh, Becky said earlier, the, the summer series that um, we have this year is uh, following the uh, seven times in uh, John's Gospel, uh, where Jesus says, I am, and then he adds a metaphor uh, to show an aspect of himself. Uh, we would be familiar with uh, at least some of these, uh, like Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the list is uh, here is typically known as the seven I am statements of Jesus. And we will cover one of these each week over the next uh, seven weeks. Now, it's a common understanding that these I am statements from Jesus are also uh, allusions to God's name, Yahweh, uh, which we typically know to mean I am. Uh, so when, for example, then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's not just saying he looks after his follow followers well, but he's saying more than that. He's associating himself with Yahweh God. Jesus is saying, you know Psalm 23 or Isaiah 40? Well, that's me. So with these seven statements and in all these multiple ways, Jesus is showing how he is one with God, one and the same with God. And that, then, is what we have in the weeks ahead uh, of us. Uh, but this morning, by way of setting the scene and seeing the bigger picture, we're going to look more at the I am part of what Jesus says. You see, in um, each of these seven statements here, Jesus says, I am something. And there's a specific Greek phrase used for I am each time here, uh, which is ego eimi. And there is also a particular emphasis here with ego eimi because more usual or casual, the more casual way of saying I am in Greek is actually just eimi on its own. The eimi on its own in classical Greek, already means I am. The ego bit is not actually necessary. But when someone says ego eimi, then something of emphasis is there intended. But there's more than that when Jesus says it. Because ego eimi goes back to Exodus 3, which is where we had our reading uh, just now. Um, Yahweh God uh, meets Moses in the burning bush and sends him back to Egypt. And Moses says, oh, when I go and tell the people that the God of your fathers has sent me, they may ask, what is his name? Uh, Moses then asks for God's name. And the people might want to know God's name because Hebrew names are actual Hebrew words. And so a name to the Jews has meaning. So it's not just a nice-sounding label for someone. It actually says something. Just God's name, then, 
would tell the people something about God. And so God responds uh, and told Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, in almost every version of our Bibles, um, you see here God saying, I am who I am, and that is in capitals, and then later on, I am has sent you, that is also in capitals. And in almost every version of our English Bibles, it is in capitals because it's there to show us that uh, this its translation is trying to highlight that it's not just a phrase, it's a name. And it's not just any name, it's God's name. So God's name has this meaning, I am. And the same Hebrew word, Eyeh, appears three times in that verse 14. Uh, once as the name. And then immediately in verse 15, God repeats the same sentence, but this time he uses the name as Yahweh to thus show us that the meaning of God's name, Yahweh, it's I am. So our God, Yahweh, is his name, and he is. He just is. He is unchanging. He just absolutely is. And that is what we are to understand. And when the Greek translation of the Hebrew uh, Bible took place, and that was around 200 BC, then the Hebrew, I am, in Exodus 3, is translated, Ego Eimi. And since people at the time of Jesus spoke Greek or Aramaic, and very few could actually read Hebrew, then Ego Eimi is what people would know as God's name. So, when Jesus consistently said, Ego eimi, then we should sit up. Jesus is using God's name. Now, it's true. Ego eimi is just ordinary Greek words. So, ordinary people can still say Ego eimi in the ordinary sense of I am. And an example would be when people were disputing the identity of the blind man that Jesus healed, the man said, Ego eimi, to confirm he really is the one who has been healed. So, Ego eimi is used in an ordinary way too. But when Jesus consistently says, Ego eimi, then we should carefully examine what he says. Because, and that is what we have in the weeks ahead of us for these uh, seven statements. Now, these, um, in that list there, each time Jesus says, I am the something. But for today, we will look at another list. Because John actually records another seven occasions where Jesus also says, Ego eimi, but on its own. And in this second list of seven shown here, each time Jesus simply says, I am, full stop. Now, of course, that sounds rather abrupt. And so our English translations tend to smooth it over a bit. 
with something like, I am he, or I am the one. But in the original Greek, in each case, in each of these, it's a simply egoemi, I am, full stop. And it is quite stark, and that's precisely the point. So when, for example, the uh, Samaritan woman talking to Jesus got to the point of talking about the coming Messiah, as recorded in John 4. Jesus' reply to her literally was, Ego Amy, I am who speak to you. Now that's a bit clumsy English. So most versions in English would say something like, I who speak to you am he. But while that is easier to our ear, we've also then missed out on Jesus actually using the commonly known name of God at the time for himself. Jesus is deliberately using the name, I am, ego eimi, for himself. I'll take another example. Jesus was in an extended discussion with some Jews in the temple in John 8. Uh, Jesus actually said this, you are from below, I'm from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Again, in our English Bibles, we tend to have, unless you believe I am he or I am the one, which sounds like better grammar, but it loses the point. What Jesus actually said was, Unless you believe me that I am, unless you believe me that ego me, that I am God, you will die in your sins. You see the force of what Jesus actually said, which is somewhat lost in translation? Jesus was speaking with the authority of God, and Jesus was putting himself in the place of God. He was not calling for faith in God. Jesus was calling for faith him in himself as God. And unless we see the construction in the original, the English translation does not quite hit the mark. Now, this list of seven I am, ego eimi statements that we have for the weeks ahead, they tell us, what Jesus, God the Son, is like. But it's really this other list of seven ego Amy statements that really speaks of the deity of Jesus as he uses the well-understood name or phrase of God for himself. And we can see that the people around Jesus knew and understood what Jesus was saying. Take John 8, for example. Here we have the Jews, again, arguing with Jesus about who he is. And they were basically saying uh, they should know because they were more aligned with God. And their claim to God was based on them uh, being pure descendants of Abraham. Uh, Jesus' reply was, if they really were children of Abraham... They would do what Abraham did, which was to rejoice in seeing the day of Jesus. 
Well, um, Abraham lived some 2,000 years before that time. And so the Jews then argue, well, Jesus, you would have to be that old for Abraham to have seen you while, G while he was alive. And Jesus' answer in verse 58 is, yes, precisely. Even before Abraham was, egoemi, I am. Uh, Jesus was not even saying, yes, he is older than Abraham. With ego eimi, with I am, Jesus was saying he is before Abraham because he is the creator God, the one who is, who just always is, the uncreated one before all creation, before including Abraham. Now, all that is understood from Jesus by say, him saying, Ego Amy. And that is exactly how the Jews hearing him understood it. To them, to claim to be God is just blasphemy, and blasphemy deserves death by stoning. And that's exactly what they tried to do. No sooner than Jesus had said, Ego Amy, I am, they were reaching for stones to throw at Jesus. Now, who better? to understand the language and the nuances of the time than the very people who used and lived in that language day in, day out. And those people knew exactly what Jesus had said, that he is one and the same with Yahweh God. Take another example. Uh, when the soldiers arrived at the Garden of Gethsemane, um, Jesus came forward and said, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Uh, Jesus then answered them, Ego eimi, I am. And if our English Bible shows, I am he, at that point, then know then that the word he has been added during translation. Jesus only actually said, I am, Ego eimi. And John tells us, when Jesus said, I am, the soldiers drew back and fell to the ground. So how did that happen? The Greek text tells us it was a cohort of soldiers. That's a tenth of a legion. That's 600 fully kitted fighting men coming to arrest one man. And when he only said, Ego eimi, they all fell over. What force could possibly flatten 600 soldiers with just two words? Well, no earthly force, that's for sure. What other explanation is there that 600 fit fighting men should altogether just fall flat on the ground? If it was not God speaking and demonstrating for just one little moment his awesome might, majesty, and power. Jesus speaks. He identifies who he really is. And Jesus uses the name of God. And as he does so, the power as only of God goes forth with his word. 
and even 600 men trained for battle is no match. They can't stay standing before the voice of God, and they fell instead. Remember what the Bible says. At the name of Jesus, and here is Jesus saying his name, Ego Amy. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, whether in heaven or on earth. And when Jesus speaks his name, every knee will bow. Do you know who says that in the Old Testament? Yahweh. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verse 19. I, the Lord... And you see the word Lord there is all capitalized because the Hebrew Bible has Yahweh and the Greek translation has Egoemi. So verse 19 is, I, Yahweh, I, Egoemi, speak the truth. I declare what is right. And what does Yahweh declare? We read on, verse 23, Yahweh says this, Before me, before Yahweh, Every knee will bow. By Yahweh, by me, every tongue will swear. It is to Yahweh that every knee will bow and every tongue swear. And come New Testament, Paul says, it is to Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. Paul was fully convinced Jesus is one and the same with Yahweh God. And at the time, you know, they would have been 600 soldiers too who would have said, I tell you, I was there that night. I heard Jesus said, Ego, Amy. But it was not just the voice of a man. There was such force and power in the voice as you've never heard nor seen before. Honestly, that voice flattened a lot of us in one go. And I know I never want to be on the wrong side of that voice, ever. Jesus, whoever he is, he is no mere man. So who is Jesus to you? Maybe you never knew Jesus as God. But one day, we all will. We will all bow our knees and proclaim, indeed, Jesus is Lord God Most High. Whether we believe in Jesus today or not, we will all come to face him in his full glory. We all have an inescapable appointment with Jesus. And while I said today, we will look at uh, these um, other lists of the I Am statements in John, uh, John's Gospel. But let's pick one up from John's other book, other big book, Revelation. Because Jesus also made an I am statement there, right at the beginning in chapter 1. Indeed, actually, the glorified Jesus introduced himself to John as, I am, ego eimi, the first and the last. The I am who always just is. Jesus exists before creation. He is the beginning and he is the end. 
Jesus outlasts everything. He's forever. And because Jesus will be at the end, then we will face him. Three times Jesus says he is the first and the last, as well as additionally using phrases like beginning and the end and alpha and omega, all pointing to that Jesus, ego eimi, is outside of created space and time. He is the everlasting. He is the creator, which mere man can claim to be first and last, the everlasting one. Unsurprisingly, no one. In fact, only God says this of himself. Three times in Isaiah, Yahweh is the only one who used the title first and the last for himself. Only Yahweh can claim he is before and outside creation. And only Yahweh is eternal and spans from the first to the last. Only Yahweh can claim that title first and last. And then we find that the risen and exalted Jesus, the one who sits at God's right hand, not only using God's name, Igor Amy, for himself, but also using Yahweh's title in the very verse where Yahweh declares, he alone is God. There is no escaping the conclusion that Jesus is God, God the Son. He both says he is and he proves it by doing the things only God can. So let's come back to John's Gospel and to an occasion we know well. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 and that evening the disciples uh, got into a boat on their own to cross the Sea of Galilee and a strong wind blew and the sea became rough. Now, in an earlier occasion, the same thing had happened and at that time, Jesus was on the boat with them and they woke Jesus up and with two words, Jesus silenced the storm. But this time, Jesus was not on the boat and with the wind and the waves, um, they did what they knew, which was to try to row towards the shore. Um, Mark and Matthew tells us that the waves were beating against the boat and they were making little progress because the wind was pushing against them. And Mark also said this was something like three in the morning now. And so they had been rowing hard for hours uh, against the waves and wind, but still not getting anywhere. I wonder if that rings true for any of us. Waves and wind are just the normal stuff in the sea of life. And when they are beating hard against us, then all our effort gets us nowhere. We labor hard just not to go backwards. Now, we know Jesus can stop the storm just like that. But we don't even ask because we do not see him on our boat. And like these disciples, we just listen to the experts now listen to the professional fishermen on board 
and keep doing what they say, even though it's getting us nowhere. So Jesus approached them. From verse 17, um, it seemed that they were um, expecting expecting uh, Jesus at some point. Uh, maybe uh, on another boat, but definitely not walking on water. Now they were terrified. Now, how often do we expect Jesus to also be limited to what we ourselves can do and we don't expect the miraculous? Maybe they've just been hoping that Jesus would arrive, maybe in an AA van on sea or something. Still a godsend, but please, nothing too out of the ordinary. Well, when Jesus got involved, he did not simply still the wind and waves like last time. He did not simply turn the wind and waves around to push the boat in the direction they wanted to go. Jesus actually miraculously transported them directly and instantly to the shore. This is the creator of the wind and waves. He is the true ruler of the waves. And how often we expect him to be also under the control of his creation laboring to just provide us a helping hand. And so to remind the disciples just who he is, as Jesus approaches their boat, Jesus spoke out and said, Ego eimi, do not be afraid. Jesus is just about to show them the full-on ego eimi, the creator God who has power to override space and time. There is none other than this, the almighty, awesome one at work. And just as John fell at the feet of Jesus in Revelation, when Jesus said, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. And just like Yahweh says in Isaiah 41, I, Yahweh, am the first and the last, and then follow it up with, fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. So Jesus here follows up his ego eimi declaration with the assurance, don't be afraid, do not fear. The Almighty is awesome, yes. Coming to face the Almighty and seeing his power is fearsome indeed, yes, as we see throughout Scripture. But it does then come down to which side you are on. When I was in school, we actually had a boy who played rugby for England. I call him a freak because he was as fast as he was heavy, big, and muscular. He was like a 20-year-old bulldozer on steroid in a team of under-15s. You will never want to face him with a rugby ball. But he was great when you are on his team. When you know Jesus, then there is a way out for fear. When you are on Jesus' team, you don't have to be afraid. 
the great I am is awesome and mighty. And the great I am is also the I am with you, the God who is near and the God who tends to us like a shepherd, a good shepherd. And that is what Jesus offers us. And that goes to you and me here today. But notice what the disciples did in response to what Jesus said. Verse 21, they were willing to take Jesus onto the boat. The word in Greek there is all about will and desire. It's about wanting, wanting Jesus to come on board. It is not merely about understanding or agreeing that Jesus is God and then carry on rowing. It's about wanting Jesus to come on board into our lives and then letting him take charge of the boat. That's what the disciples did. And when they have done that, then the miracle happens. So Jesus says, Ego eimi. He's the great I am. He's the one and the same with Yahweh God. And in the next seven weeks, we will get to see in greater depth just what that means to us, for us. I asked um, earlier, who is Jesus to you? Actually, Jesus asked his disciples the same question. Who do you say I am? And we've covered many instances today of who Jesus says he is and him backing it up with demonstration of divine power. But the most important verse for us is this one here where Jesus asks, who do you say I am? Unless you know Jesus as your savior, then you will face the almighty, ego eimi, as opposition. Are you on the side of Jesus? If not, will you come on side this morning? And secondly, and this is for all of us, are we willing to then have Jesus come on board? Not just for one trip or a few trips, but through the whole life journey and not as a passenger, but for Jesus to be our boat captain or shipmaster at every turn, for him to steer, direct, power, and even if that means fast track to the destination of life. Even then, that is only for glory and gain. Are we willing? Let's pray. Lord, we... We come before the Almighty God and Lord, the more we see how big you are, the more we see how small we are. And we come to you as small people. Indeed, 
people who don't deserve anything from the Almighty God. You can quash us and you would be within just right to do that. So we small people come to our big God only because you say come. You say you bring yourself to us and you reveal yourself. And you come in the body, in the flesh. So Lord, this morning we want to say, affirm and say, yes, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord God Almighty. Jesus is my God. Jesus is my Savior. And we want to proclaim that and affirm that. And Father, we want to also commit ourselves to you. Yes, Lord, we want Jesus to come on board and we want Jesus to take charge in my life, in our lives. So you to be true Lord and Master. And we commit to you. We praise you, Lord, and we worship you. We worship you as cre created beings before the Creator. And we want to raise our, our, our voice, but the whole person to you. And, and may our bodies and our voice be praising you as is only right because you are God. We are the created beings. Thank you, Lord, for coming to us. Can thank you, Lord, for speaking to us that your voice comes to us, that you haven't left us to our, on to ourselves, and, uh, but you have come to lift us up and lift us out and brought us to yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.